Hey everybody, my name is Matt Pierce. I'm the Learning and Video Ambassador for TechSmith Corporation. Glad to have you with us today. We're gonna to be talking about some great stuff about why you don't have to be perfect if you're making educational content. But before we get into that, I do wanna share with you guys a little bit. Of course, we're all about the TechSmith Academy because that's the project I get to work on and I love. It's a free learning platform where you can go learn about making video and images. In fact, we got a new course all about creating job aids. And you're saying, why job aids? Well, because job aids can help you in so many ways. You don't always have to make a course to educate people, to help them be successful. You can do other things. So go check out the TechSmith Academy. It's completely free. We've got great interviews out there with some really awesome creators, learning professionals, and others. And we've got great content that will help you make better videos and better images. So with that, though, let's get on to today's episode. We're going to be talking with Jason Vallad. Jason, welcome to the episode today. Well, hey, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We are glad to have you here. So we're going to go through all the normal stuff, but just as we get started, Jason, why don't you let people know a little bit about who you are and what you do? Because you're actually a co-worker at TechSmith. Yeah. So, uh, hey, everybody. Jason Vallad. I'm currently an instructional designer and master trainer here at TechSmith. I've been uh, thrilled and privileged to be part of TechSmith for the better part of eight years. Uh, and before that, I was actually a classroom educator for six years. So elementary, middle school aged uh, students through technology and all sorts of different things. But uh, I'm on a team at TechSmith right now that is responsible for the creation of our tutorials, conducting our webinars and doing online and when we can in-person training. So uh, excited to be a part of uh, all that sharing and knowledge that we get to share with our customers. So, Jason, I'm sure as, as a former teacher and as an instructional designer, you you probably make a lot of content. So tell us a little bit more about the team that you're currently on, though, because I think that will be a good preface for some of the information. And then we can talk a little bit about your teaching background. Certainly. So the team that we created here at TechSmith about seven or eight months ago is uh, internally known as the customer education team. It's built uh, half of instructional designers like myself, and the other half is information developers or info devs. So instructional designers, we create all the video content. We'll do all the screen capture, the uh, imagery that you see on our tutorial pages, and sometimes within blog posts. And the info devs or the information developers do the writing, the help articles, the technical writing, and all the um, help provide consistency in our messaging and information that so that when people go to learn about our products or up their skill set, uh, it remains consistent. And as of the world changing over the last couple months, we've also been uh, focused on creating content that's helping people in the education field, mainly higher ed right now, but across the gamut for people that are learning how to create video or returning to creating video for their classrooms or that remote teaching experience for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time. So uh, it's been pretty exciting and a pretty fast paced over the last few months. Oh, yeah, I bet. And, and, uh, and it's a great team. I mean, I know my background at TechSmith and I've been here I don't know. It seems like a long time. Not as long as some, but <laughs> longer than some, for sure. Uh, a little while. So, yeah, if, if, if for those folks who want the uh, reference, if you've seen any of our Camtasia or Snagit or other product tutorials, that team is responsible for making those. And they do a fantastic job. And, um, you know, something I worked on that team. I, in fact, my first job at TechSmith, uh, Jason, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you knew this because you've, you've seen me through, through so many other positions and roles at TechSmith. My first job was instructional designer creating tutorial videos. 
Absolutely. I actually do know that history. And we've actually built on a lot of what you helped establish at that time as part of the workflows. Uh, we we taught you guys what not to do. That's that's the thing I did. It's like, hey, don't do it's, don't do what Matt did. <laughs> <laughs> it's still a learning process, good and bad. It's all learning. Yeah. So, OK, so you've got this these experiences that you're working in now where you're helping people learn, you're helping people l- learn product, learn how to do, you know, for lack of a better term, just learn how to do video as an educator, mm-hmm. like how to create content as an educator and, you know, just, and really in any role, but let's, I want to go back because I think it's, there's a lot of people who have, who uh, go to the classroom, they stay in the classroom, they're teachers forever, but you've made the jump. But I want to ask you, what was your favorite thing about being a classroom teacher? And what, what grades did you teach by the way? So the first four years of my educational uh, life was teaching third graders. So eight, nine-year-olds, a few moons ago, not too many. And then my last couple of years was actually teaching third through fifth graders in technology. So at the time it was uh, technology integration, how they could use technology less as a destination, but more as a tool in their toolkit with math and science and social studies and reading. Uh, my favorite part of what I would consider the regular classroom, my third grade classroom, is actually just those connection aha moments with the students, right? The ability to teach them something, uh, perhaps see them struggle, see it in their face, see it in their body language, and then something just clicks. And when it clicks, it's magical for them because their confidence gets well boosted. And it's uh, magical for you because then you know that you've given them a, a really good foundation and you can build upon that. So it was always those aha moments. I like the high fives too, but aha moments were pretty strong. Yeah, high fives are, are pretty great. My my wife works in school and she talks about high fives all the time. And, you know, just she works with little kids like kindergartners. So it's even it's even more fun. Uh, Jason, you bring up something, though. The, the, if your favorite thing in the classroom is that interaction, the ahas, you know, we're in such a state in the world now. And, I, and, you know, and I think just generally with online learning, it's a lot harder to be in that position to see that and to get those ahas. So I'm, I'm curious because now, you know, as an instructional designer, I know you, you've done a lot of webinars for TechSmith. You've done a lot of online presentations, teaching people how to use product. Is there an equivalent of that type of experience from the classroom that you get in this kind of digital experience? Well, it's funny, Matt. That's a tremendous question. And it's actually something the team that I'm on is struggling with and deciding upon and arguing over and all those sorts of things right now. There's a big thing to be said about um, conversations around webcam usage, right? So do you put yourself in your video? Do you not put yourself in your video? Do you request that when students give you feedback that they're on video? The aha moments are no longer synchronous. You're not sharing them at the moment they're happening. Perhaps if you're doing, you know, an online meeting of some sort. Uh, But I would say the equivalent is the excitement that the presenter puts into their video. The like, hey, you guys did a wonderful job this past week. Or I was excited and thrilled to watch your submissions or read your papers or whatever it happens to be, whatever modality of sharing that they're using. Um, But the actual shared aha moments we're still going to discover what that actually looks like in a in a remote or distance learning situation. Right. So, uh, okay. So let's let's look at this because if there, 
and, and today, if you're you're not an educator, this conversation might be a slightly askew for you, just for our audience who is watching. Um, but if you mm-hmm. are an educator, I can imagine we 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 task our educators with a lot. And whether you're higher ed or K twelve, I'm 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 less concerned about that. You weren't taught these skills, right? Like you weren't. Like you're kind of taught how to teach, I, I imagine. I, I wasn't. I, I went through a master's program that was education focused, but not teacher focused, right? I was instructional mm-hmm. design focused. So I'm guessing you you learn a little bit about teaching. You get a lot of repetition, a lot of practice in the classroom, how to manage mm-hmm. all of that craziness. But then all of a sudden we say we're saying now to a lot of these folks, hey, learn how to do this better or do this well mm-hmm. in this environment, like that we're in, or without this live component, right? Where it's like, hey, show up on the camera, <laughs> show up in your video, and all of a sudden you right. have to do that. I feel like that's probably really tough. So I'm wondering, because you've got, you've made that transition and successfully, you're a great trainer. I've seen you do webinars and they're very good. Um, Thank you. How does, where does someone, where do, do these educators start? Like, cause I'm guessing they're feeling very overwhelmed. I know a lot of schools in Michigan, probably around the country are saying, Hey, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be doing remote or partly remote or doing these things. And yes, we've had now what, four or five months to get better. But like, if you haven't gotten better yet, what do you do? That's a long right. way to get to that question. I think. No. And I, I felt you were going down that path. So we're all right. I think about when you were in when you're in the classroom, you have a mentor teacher, typically, especially if you're new in your first three or four years of teaching someone that you can go to someone you can emulate someone you can frankly steal from. Right. Because thievery is the ultimate form of flattery in education. I would say what's happening is when we're being tasked or people are being tasked with teaching online, there are a lot of great resources Uh, On the web, we provide a lot, and we'll talk about those here in a little while. But I feel like people expect that they should go from brand new to this this, uh, experience to, like, professional over a weekend. Uh, Matt, I've been at TechSmith a little over eight years, and I'm still learning how to get to that professional level. And it would be the same thing for teachers. What I would suggest is that you realize that, unless you are, and forgive me if you are, that you're not a professional movie maker. You're not, say, Steven Spielberg. Therefore, your content that you end up creating shouldn't look professional out of the gate. The goal is to have a goal. The video should have a purpose. And then if you meet that purpose of the video, you should be happy with it. Now, in terms of how do they learn, go out and find a mentor. The mentor could be a series of YouTube videos where you glean a little bit of this video, a little bit of that video. And always be willing to ask questions and find out a little bit more information. You do not have to do everything at once, right? You can do incremental increase of, of, of skills and things that you add to your videos. When I teach Camtasia, I don't even have people turn their webcam on first and foremost. Record the video, send the video out. Real basic. But then you ask questions and you learn as you move along. I mean, full transparency, not more than a half hour ago. I just called you and asked about lighting suggestions. There's always someone out there willing to not only help and share their knowledge, but that are going to take joy and get their aha moments by helping you get better. So do it incrementally. Don't assume you're going to do it all at once. Gain little bits of knowledge. Level up as you can. 
Yeah, I mean, and if anyone's been watching the live stream over the last four months, that's something I I try to end with. I don't always do it, but as a tagline kind of thing, right? Like level up every day, and I think that's such an important thing to remember. Um, and a, and a couple points I want to reiterate here because I think they're so important is, and I've seen this uh, with people I've worked with that oftentimes we get into a situation where we're going to have to create video and we mm-hmm. we look at the examples of the world around us and we say oh my gosh i can't make that video like i even look at videos that some of my colleagues make at techsmith mm-hmm. and i'm like how the heck do they do that and i've made hundreds of videos but i'm not to the point where i can make that same video i look at some of our video producers some of our some of our developers have made amazing looking videos but they really have but you don't have to make that video you have to make the video that's right for your audience and that it's it's simple that that don't be don't try to be the hollywood making video and don't make try to make someone else's video make the video that you can make now that's going to do the job and then get better right. so i think those are those are just all things that you just said but i think it's so worth reiterating because uh, it, I think it speaks to where we are as it just communicate in a communication sense that if you're just starting with videos, don't worry about making it perfect, but make it make it as good as you can. Sure, but there's diminishing return. I think to that. Um, and so, where where do you think some of that diminishing return falls? If you're an educator, like of course you want things to be really good. You want to engage your your students with you know and making them feel like they're you know you want them to have a good experience, but like. If you were to start, we usually talk about what to add, but what what could you say, yeah, don't worry about? I would say let's start with the technological piece, right? Um, we always say uh, a couple of things. One, don't let perfection be the uh, enemy of done, which means if you're watching videos or you're consuming content that you're trying to emulate or you have a goal to achieve that style of video and that person's using a really expensive microphone or a beautiful camera or they're sitting in a perfectly sculpted uh, setting of some sort. Stop. Start with the tools that you have at your disposal right now. Whether it's a school-issued laptop, use it. Whether you have uh, a set of earbuds that came with whatever smartphone, if you happen to have a smartphone, those headphones work fine. The microphone that's built into that little white cord that we all know we're talking about works pretty good. It's, It's really pretty good. So I would start with what you have available to you right now and make that first video. Make that series of videos, four or five, decide what that looks like. And then you can either start to figure out what little incremental change you wanna make or solicit feedback from the people watching your videos. I have gotten tremendous feedback from eight-year-olds as well as 80-year-olds. Everybody has an opinion and the best part about them is you can listen to it and take pieces of what you want and push the rest away. Um, The diminishing return comes into where you and I probably are, Matt, where now we're like, hmm, am I gonna make a microphone change for the 10th time over the last 15 years because I think I hear a difference. Make the video, get the content out there. You're a subject matter expert, you know what you're talking about, share the video with the goal in mind that they should be able to do something at the end of the video, and as we say, ship it get it out there. The diminishing returns come into these, um, what I'm going to say ends up being minutia when you're just trying to make videos and get something established. Maybe in a year you upgrade your microphone. Maybe in a year you put your camera on a tripod. Who knows? There's lots of little steps you could make. You don't have to make any of them, 
But as you move into consistent video making, which might be our lives moving forward, it might be part of a regular thing, then you'll start to figure out what makes uh, what makes you happy as a content creator. If you're making the videos and you would feel better if you had, say, a microphone on a stand, make that your small goal. If you feel better putting a light up in your office, make that feel better. You know, if your goal is to have something for your puppies to do in another room so they're not barking during the video. Make that your goal. There's so many aspects, especially since we're making these videos in largely not controlled environments, right? My neighbor right now is mowing their lawn. Hopefully you're not hearing that, but it is actually <laughs> happening right now. That's a, that's a TechSmith curse right there. It's with lo- leaf it blowers and lawnmowers whenever we're meeting or making videos. So, um, a couple thoughts there, because I, 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 again, most you're saying everything so well, I, but I want to make sure we're reiterating some of these keys that I and I, and, you know, I'm a firm believer that you start with what you've got. But it's also, I, can I, if I can add to that, is it's not hard Please. to go and learn a little bit about what, like that, white the cord, like I've got earbuds, I don't have a cord, but same same idea, right? Like, learn mm-hmm. a little bit about how it works. Learn a little bit about where the microphone is. Learn just a little bit to make like you, whatever you are using just a little bit better. I don't think it's it's too much to ask of anyone to say like, hey, you've got this really great piece of equipment. Now, take five minutes and Google about like things that you can do to make it better. One that I see a lot, Jason, I'll just bring up. And and I think you and I have talked about this in the past is that your ca- your phone is an amazing camera. And it can do a lot of things, but built into it are some basic settings. And if you just look at what those settings are, you might find settings that work better for whatever your environment is than just the default. The other thing is with, particularly with cameras, it's a computer and you can install apps. So just like, you don't have to go spend money even there's apps that are free that will be better than enhance what you've got. So it's like, I think with take what you've got, and then, but just spend a little bit of time learning and that goes so far. And again, it's, it's really, there's so much information out there. I feel like, uh, right. and I don't want to say like, oh, it's so easy. Teachers should just do this. Cause I know they're already, if you're trying to get a class ready for a semester or, you know, you've got students and you're trying to figure out what to do. I know it's already one, it's one more thing, but that one more thing will make your life could make your life so much easier and just that much better for your students. This is exactly what I say even after I'm done teaching someone how to use some of our products, right? Our tutorials, selfish plug, um, are short, three minutes, four minutes. Maybe you, as you're saying, maybe you take a couple of minutes and that couple of minutes could be five, 10, 15 minutes while you're drinking your cup of coffee or tea or whatever your your morning beverage of choice is uh, just to glean a little bit more knowledge. Uh, just got a new camera. It's a 700-page uh, book that comes with it. There's like 10 pages that are valuable. Maybe just find basic functionality. You're right. Knowing where microphones are, that's a, that's a great point to bring up. I'm absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we got this advice, right? We've got the advice of start with what you've got. Just kind of level mm-hmm. your playing field. I added just a little bit. Learn about what you've got. Learn how to use it a little bit better. Um, so I, I get the feeling the other place people fall down a lot, in the, especially educators, is there's this need to they feel like they have to edit a lot, right? You know, mm-hmm. do, go into this big editing process. What are your thoughts about, because there's one thing about shooting or recording a video. Yes, it, there's mm-hmm. definitely work there, but what about the editing process? How much editing is enough, do you think? And I know that's a hard question. Every video is dependent. It always depends. But what do you think? 
When I'm talking to people about editing for videos for, say, a classroom presentation, and let's not talk about an hour-long lecture, which they are out there, they are valuable in some places, but let's talk about those little three to five-minute videos that I'm hoping people are becoming comfortable in making. I say enough editing that the message is still clear. Um, there used to be a conversation around editing every little <clears throat> or, <clears throat> or lawnmower noise out of your videos because people assumed or expected some level of perfection. My thing is edit the things out that don't contribute to the video or that are dramatically distracting, right? There are pieces that allow for a human, human experience. If we were making a video right now and my dog happened to hop up on my lap, previous Jason, I would have cut that whole section out. New Jason, I'm still teaching and I can do it while I'm rubbing my dog's head if they happen to break through my door, right? Um, simple, consistent things that you can do that make your editing process easier is controlling your environment. So starting with a closed door, starting with uh, your notes laid out in front of you or your materials prepped. There's also, we'll actually talk about that here in a little bit of uh, the things that I do for the first 15, 20 minutes before I ever hit record that set me up for, for uh, success. But in terms of editing, only take out what is either extremely distracting or doesn't serve the video, but try not to take things out that take away your personality. If you're a classroom teacher, that face-to-face -face time, that experience, that intonation, all those things that make you, you're not going to sit in front of your video and talk in this manner because you're probably not teaching in that manner. So try and make sure that your edits serve the goal of the video. The goal is to teach the Pythagorean theorem. Make sure that's where the goal is tightened around and the video is tightened around that. If you go off on a tangent about your bookshelf, Maybe that doesn't need to be in the video, but the best part about editing, Matt, is you have the control. You can decide when it's good enough. And if you can't, ask a friend. They can tell you when it's good enough, too. Otherwise, you spend hours as opposed to minutes. Yeah. Uh, other teachers, other friends are always a good like, eh, yeah, maybe that's not good. If they're if they if they can be honest, I realize it takes some trust between colleagues and which I know that's one thing I've always appreciated about uh, our teams at TechSmith is that we can do that. And I've gotten a lot of hard feedback that way, but it's made me a better creator of video. Uh you know, Jason, you mentioned this idea of cut out the things that don't work or shouldn't be there. The question I want to ask is so one of the things I think a lot of educators are worried about isn't so much that they're going to make some a silly mistake like oh i said that name wrong or i i mispronounced something or i you know a, a, a very simple mistake i think there's a lot of people worried about going on camera and being recorded mm -hmm. because somehow it's going to be used against them like they're going to like you know you know and mm -hmm. I, I don't know that we can, we are the right people to answer this question but i think that's a concern um and I'm, I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't have an answer, if, if say pass. But I think that's what where I'm seeing with a couple of people I've talked to that they they worry about that, right? Like that something they're going to say will be misconstrued or will be taken out of context, which, look, I first of all, I should say, if you're saying stuff you shouldn't say, that's get, don't do that. But but like, I think that's a concern, mm -hmm. even when they know they're even if they're safe, right? Like even if they're good people who are saying good things, just. It's a worry. I think everyone's worried about being recorded for that reason at some point. Sure. So I think there's two parts to that question. One is the concern over going on a webcam because few people fear two things in video, what they look like and what they sound like. 
So I say this with all sincerity and love in my heart, especially when I go into trainings uh, where I'm teaching in front of people or if I'm on webinars, I say these undeniable facts. That's what you look like. That's what you sound like. Get over it. So in terms of fear of the webcam, we actually just on our team put a video out about a week ago, and I'll call him out. Ryan, a uh, friend of mine and a coworker here at TechSmith, put out a video uh, making your first webcam video. And he actually opens a video saying, this is like the 19th time I've started this video. Making a webcam video is hard for me, and here's why. And he's dead serious and super honest. In terms of putting a video out where you say something that could be misconstrued, you can't control the misconstruing, right? You can't decide or interpret how other people are going to take content in. However, you do have control over what you put out, meaning give your video a few reviews. Uh, we just talked about sharing with a trusted friend, a family member, a coworker. I have spent a lot of time on a video that I thought was absolutely crystal clear, rock solid, and I sent it to a coworker and they said, yeah, like at minute minute and 32 seconds, you said this, it makes no sense, it's, it's garbage, it's gobbledygook, whatever it is, and I'm like, gosh, I didn't see that. Uh, we all remember perhaps writing papers in college, you know what you meant to say, but as soon as someone else reads it and goes, I have no idea where you're going with this. Same thing could be for video. So before you hit submit or upload or wherever you put that video, give it a bit of time. Perhaps have a person or two that you trust or that you can take that good feedback from, regardless if it's positive or negative, then feel confident that you can put it up. But how people are going to take information, stick to what you know. Stick to the content you're going to deliver. Be the person that you are and make sure that it just serves the video that you're trying to make. That's about the best advice I can give is have it looked at before you do it if you're concerned because you control when you hit upload. No one else does. Yeah. And you'll see everyone I'm back with headphones because my... I could not, I could literally stopped hearing you, Jason. It was just a little, 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 so that's, but what I heard was great advice. And uh, I, I think <laughs> the, the the fact that you can control it, right? Like is, is true. And that's a great thing about recording is if you don't, if it didn't work, you can do it again, or you can edit it or yeah. you can, you can fix it. Um, and, and again, I, I think, again, I don't want to make too much of that point, but I, I do feel like that's a lot of people get concerned about that. Even if, even if they don't have a reason to be concerned. Um, but I love the point that you can, things can be controlled. So my, Michael asks, perfection is the enemy, but how do we balance that with meeting a minimum standard? So that's a great question, right? So we've got this idea that, you know, yeah, we don't want to have perfection, but there are minimum mm -hmm. standards. So what do we do to make sure we're balancing that out? So transparency with our team. We put out the tutorials that tens of thousands of people watch on a regular basis, right? This is their largely go-to information source for learning how to use our software. We have a series of checks and balances in place, everything from the idea stage to the scripting stage to the initial recording stage to the voiceover stage to the captioning. It's all there. There's a check and balance system. In terms of um, not being perfect, but meeting some sort of minimum standard, the idea I would start with for video creation is some sort of template. You know, we can, we can do that in our software in Camtasia. You can make templates and documentation in Snagit, but there's some sort of baseline expectation, which I think is where the question's kind of surrounding, right? You know the colors are gonna be correct. Um, you have an idea of how long you want the video to be. 
Uh, perhaps you have a series of music clips that you either a self-approved or want to have for consistency for your videos. It's, it's like having a stocked pantry for your three or four favorite recipes. You go to the pantry, you know the stuff's there to make it. So if you prep yourself with those kinds of things, then creating the content, actually the actual recording, tends to be the uh, the easy part, right? It's the one piece that you have the immediate control over because you've taken care of everything else. Um, I would make sure that you do not just record and send the video out, that you do some test recording, some practice ones. It could be minute long, 30 seconds long. Find out uh, the distance between where you and your microphone are. Maybe uh, this is a problem I have. My software changes my, we just had this earlier. Uh, maybe you're too close to your mic. Maybe you're too far away. You actually can test out some sort of things that will level up every so often the quality of your video to the point where it becomes muscle memory. It's something you don't have to worry about anymore. And other people then might consume your videos and go, my gosh, I hope to one day make a video as good as that person, when in fact you've just done some practice, you've done some testing, you've done some samples, and you've gotten to the point where you're like, this is the style of video I wanna make or this is the quality level I wanna make. If you are being influenced or directed by someone else in terms of a minimum level of quality, have an open conversation with that person. Like if a department, for example, says, all of our math videos will be seven minutes long or all of our English videos will use this font. You know, have the conversation around it, be aware of what the expectations are and do the, the legwork, the prep work to have that sort of thing ready. Um, however, that conversation, which I would love to have more of to find out what exactly goes into like this person's individual question about minimum level of quality standards. Uh, I'd love to see what that means, because even with our team versus, say, another team at TechSmith, those quality levels, while we want to be respectful and put our company in the best foot forward, the levels of quality, depending on the content we're putting out, might not be exactly the same, but I bet you they're in the same ballpark. Yeah, there's going to be similarities there, right? There's like I, right. Can, I, I can guarantee that the things that someone would make in tech support do not have to be the same as our marketing video. And th that would be like the spectrum. The The marketing right. department is going to have this high end quality looking really, really sharp as marketing part departments do. Tech support's like, uh, this is the answer. <laughs> and it's not Imme bad. Immediacy. Yeah, yeah right. it's not bad, but it doesn't have all the, the frills and the bells and whistles. Uh, Rise Computers asks, how do you avoid hesitation and speak fluently in videos? So obviously, you know, ums and ahs and getting through all those kind of verbal tics and just making it so that you're not having to sound like edit a ton because you've made some verbal mistakes. Sure. This actually goes into a lot of what my prep work is, Matt. There's a, there's a couple of key components that I suggest to people when they're speaking. One, if you can record standing up, that actually does wonders for you. You can kind of get in the full lung capacity. You've elongated. You've, you um, tend to speak with more clarity in your voice if you're standing up. Two, stay well hydrated. Keep water around. Drink before uh, you're recording. Try not to drink during your recording. Uh, they tell you to have, go down the path of not drinking any dairy products, things that might coat your vocal cords, those kinds of things. Uh, three, if you can, smile while you're recording. Even if you're talking to someone like this, you can actually hear the difference between someone who's smiling versus someone who's not smiling. It just It's something it, possibly psychological, but mainly it's just in your inflection. And fourth, and this is my biggest enemy, is pacing. I tend to talk pretty fast when I'm talking normally, but when I'm recording a video, 
might take a little bit of time to really enunciate what I'm saying and think about what I'm saying. Now, Matt knows me pretty well. Uh, he knows the style of videos I make, but in my job role, there's two types I make. One that are highly scripted, and I try and read those in a way that doesn't sound robotic or scripted. And then there's those ones that are better than 90% of the videos I make, which are off the cuff. Hit record and go. If you know your content, ums and ahs are okay. Unless um, you uh, are, uh, are doing it all the time, and it's still a level of comfort where you want to put the video out. If that's still who you are, send the video. But I think those four components, stand up, smile, keep hydrated, and uh, slow your pacing a little bit, can help battle those things. There are tools out there that'll help with the ums and ahs. We, we have one, uh, Audiate, that we released earlier this year. It can help with that. But generally speaking, uh, being focused on what you're going to say and perhaps practicing it, nothing wrong with practicing your, your content, should help a little bit with those hesitations and then makes your editing easier because you don't have to address that part of it. Yeah, I think uh, uh, we often get worried about those things that uh, those verbal ticks. And I think for the most part, mm -hmm. as long as it's not overboard, it's not crazy, it's fine, right? Like, be natural. People like natural. It feels natural. If there's, mm -hmm. if, like, definitely I've heard people read scripts before that feels like a robot. And that's not, a, that's not good either. So it's finding that kind of balance. And actually, this actually leads nicely into, uh, Shadab had another question for you. It said, one question is about making educational videos in presentation mm -hmm. style with no camera. So you're not going to have to be okay. on camera. And would you suggest voiceover, then record the presentation or screen record, then voiceover and then sync in Camtasia? I know what my answer is because I just did a video about this. And Shadab, you can find that on the our YouTube channel for TechSmith. It's called Audio First Workflow for Video Tutorials. So that's my opinion. But Jason, do you have a different approach that you would take? <laughs> Yeah, my ultimate answer to that question, and it's a terrible answer as well, it depends. <laughs> it's always uh, it depends. For the most part, I do voiceover first as well, mainly because I enjoy it. And because in the editing process, if I leave enough gaps between sentences or parts of a video, I can split those and move them wherever I need them to be. And with recording, say, screen video, I can manipulate it to the point where I'm ready to go and it's very little work for someone who's been doing it for a while. If you're doing, say, a PowerPoint presentation, I, there's lots of ways to do that as well. My personal preference is to bring in individual slides and record one slide at a time. That way I'm not having to commit to making sure I do my entire presentation from front to back and just make sure it's perfect because then if I hiccup in slide seven, do I yeah. restart, do I pause, do I clap, whatever it is, I can focus on the one topic at one time and give it my best effort at that moment. But there are lots of times where I'll just hit record and go. And many of those videos live live on our tutorial page or on our YouTube page because I had a goal in mind with the video at the end of watching the video I made, if it achieved that goal, it, there wasn't any glaring errors. I didn't say um and ah, nobody slammed a door, whatever would normally make me shut a video down. I didn't let perfection be the enemy of done. 
or good for that matter. Yeah, and I'd say that depends is a lot of context too. Like who's the audience? What are their expectations? Um, And, you know, I think of a lot of the videos I've made, we have in our TechSmith Academy, for instance, we have videos that we, I know because you worked on actually one of my favorite ones, Jason, was the audio, uh, the getting audio wherever you are. And that was very scripted, right? Like we had lines, we had action, like we knew what we were going to do versus like, you know, that was, had to be very polished versus like, yeah, I, I had someone reach out to me a couple of months ago and ask me about a setting on a, a microphone. And I was, you know, I was going to script out an answer. For, I just wanted to give them an answer and it was easier to show them in a video than it was to, you know, write out a long email. And so I think the lot of it depends is, is really, uh, is, is, is true. You got to look at your audience. You got to look at the circumstances, look at the purpose. And even I would say, what is the length of time that video is going to live? Is it going mm-hmm. to be uh, like uh, they, disposable content? They watch it once and then they're done. Is it something people are going to refer to for a long time or, you know, it, like in a long time, like six months? Or is it going to be something you want to live for three years? And, you know, some videos can't li- live for three years. But like, so that's how I often look at that. Those, some of those decisions as well. Your statement that knowing your audience is extremely powerful. If you're asking me a question, Matt, I'm going to shoot you a quick off the cuff video. No editing. You get the video. If it's going to a client, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on it. If it's going to our YouTube channel and could live on for six months, a year, and many people could watch it, I'm probably going to take into account the the need and the reflectiveness it's going to have on me and the company and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, if you're talking about classroom video creation, you have a relationship with your students. You might make a pretty polished video first time out or first couple times, but much like when I was teaching and I started teaching with a shirt and tie, by about mid-October, the tie was gone, then the jeans came on, and then you were lucky if I brushed my hair when I had hair. So, <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, so in recap, you usually start with audio first, but then from there, it depends on the circumstances. I would say yes. Okay, perfect. Another question. Jason Hayes Excellent. is asking, so what is your favorite Camtasia feature tip for training videos? So feature tip is affected by, I'll give it two because it's a two-stage sort of thing. The first is when you're recording your screen, whatever screen it is, you always want to record at the greatest possible resolution you have available to you. If you have a 1080p monitor, record at 1080p. If you have 2K or 4K, record at the highest resolution because my favorite feature tip is zooming and panning. You can draw attention to certain parts of the screen and really um, affect the access point and the learning point for your students by zooming into a part of the screen and focusing on just that, perhaps panning over to the left or right to find another focus point so that's all they need to worry about. If I only get one feature answer, it's zooming and panning because of its power. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a good one. It makes, I find it makes, a, your, it can make your videos feel more intimate. It makes it feel a little bit like mm-hmm. you're over the shoulder. It's not just, you know, you're, you're, and you're focusing, right? Like students often right. need focus. They need help knowing context and they all, then they need to know where to go with it. Zooming and panning can take a simple PDF, a single page document and make a dynamic movie out of it because you create movement, you create attentiveness. So yep. for sure. Uh, one other uh, question, I'm mostly just, I want to address it because I think we've already talked about it, but Dr. Terrence E. Watts senior says, based on your experience, what's the best way to put together a video, record audio, and then add clips, graphics later, do both as you go. Again, I think at TechSmith, we are 
preferential to audio first workflow and then build your video based on the audio. Uh, But Mm -hmm. here's what I'll say for everyone that's listening today is if you work better in a different format, a different path, you take what you feel like there's a different way for you to do this that will be more effective, more efficient and get your message off. That is the right way to do it. (laughs) You you agree, Jason? (laughs) I agree. Do it the way that works best. For me, for the most part, uh, a quick bullet point list is my prep. I then go and record based on what I know, and then I shoot video. Or if I'm going to do what we talked about where it's just hit record and go, still that bullet point list is really helpful for me. Just to the right of where my camera is, I've got a bullet point list for today. It's just something to quickly reference. I know what I'm talking about, I hope. Therefore, the (laughs) bullet points keep me in line, keep me on task, and maybe spark some new ideas if I let them go farther. But I want to make Mm -hmm. sure we we said up front that you've got this prep routine. And here's what I'm picturing, Jason. You're you're in the bathroom, you got your moisturizer, you got your beard brush, because, you know, same problem upstairs, but, uh, you're, you're prepping yourself to get ready, right? Uh, not, I'm guessing it's not exactly that. What is your routine that you, you've, you've said it will save us time, 15 to 20 minutes that will save you time when you're making your video. Yep. Okay. So first things first, I set the room up for recording. In my case, it is something as simple as closing the door, uh, for working at home. Sometimes it's a sign on the outside of the door that says, Hey, don't bother me for the next hour. I'm making a video. Uh, second thing, and this is often overlooked, and it's something simple to do, is uh, when you have your computer open, if you're going to be recording your screen at all, take a look, if you're using Windows or Mac, at your notifications or any programs that are open that are probably going to bug you during the presentation. Maybe something will pop up on the screen. Maybe a sound or notification will slide in. Your messenger pops up, whatever it is. Close anything on your computer that doesn't have any uh, business being a part of the video you're about to create. Um, Third tip, if you're working where you're going to be recording your desktop, clean up your desktop. It's kind of like your guest room at your house. It's always clean and ready for someone to show show up. Make sure the icons are put away. Maybe put them in one folder that just says desktop or something like that. And make sure your background is aesthetically pleasing. For me, I use a basic screen color of whatever product I might be teaching that day. Um, That's a big component for me as well. The next thing I want to make sure that I do is I have my materials ready, either uh, open and minimized on my screen, whether it's a web page, whether it's a program, as well as my notes that I might have on my desk somewhere. Like I've got notes here, or if I'm fortunate enough to have, say, a second monitor, I have those items ready as well. If you're going to be showing a browser in Chrome, Internet Explorer, whatever it happens to be, and you use bookmarks, across the top of your screen. Uh, typically, you can hide those bookmarks. A universal keyboard shortcut, I believe, is Control-Shift-B as in boy or B as in bookmarks. It just turns off the bookmarks and it takes away something for someone to focus on in your video that's not part of what you're trying to share. I always try and make sure that I eliminate anything that people could draw attention to and either then lose focus, judge me on, Ask me unrelated questions after the fact, like, what was that barbecue link? Well, if you really want to talk barbecue, we'll talk barbecue. That's another thing that we can talk about. (laughs) I also want to make sure that uh, my settings are correct. If I'm recording with a USB mic, which if you have a USB-based mic available to you, I strongly encourage it. If you don't, that's okay. But you want to make sure that whatever program you're recording in 
the right settings are picked for it. You have the right camera turned on, whether it's the inboard one or another one. The headphones are set up right, the microphone, and this is where you can test those out to make sure that they sound good and look for good to you as well. The other thing is, and actually, Matt, uh, I'm guilty of not doing this. I actually prep a lot of my projects by making a folder somewhere on my system, whether it's in my documents folder or in my case, a Camtasia folder, where I name the video the name of the folder. And then everything related to that project, the recording, if I do any audio work, if I have any files I want to use, I move them into or copy them into that folder so that they're in one location and I don't have to search all around for these sorts of things. Then I make sure I don't have any other distractions on my desk other than hopefully a, a glass of water or in my case, some sort of fruit punch. Tastes pretty good. And then I have my notes set and ready to go. That is at the bare minimum what I do for video prep. It takes total about 15 to 20 minutes, but if I do it consistently, those are all factors that could negatively affect my video that I no longer have to worry about because they're not a concern. I've already addressed them. It's the uh, prep work before you walk into your classroom. You know you made your copies. You know you already collated everything. You know the pencils are sharpened. You know the rulers are put back in place. Same thing with making a video. It's having all those pieces in place so that when you are ready to hit the red record button, all you need to focus on is the content at hand. I think those are those are really good tips. And I think you said something of all of those things that I think is really important is the consistency, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the fact it's about creating this routine of, and so that way you don't forget stuff. I, and I know I find this when I go, like one thing I love about doing a weekly event, like a weekly live stream is that I've got a routine. And, mm -hmm. but when I don't do that routine and I like skip a week or we've, you know, whatever reason I didn't do it, it's, I always miss something, but having that routine helps me know, like I know exactly what I'm going to do before we go live on mm -hmm. Thursday at 2 p.m. And I do those, try to do those same things so I don't miss something. And I think one of the big things about uh, your list is like, these are pretty basic, right? Like just, mm -hmm. they're not hard. It's not hard to set up your room. It's not hard to close your door. It's not hard to make sure your internet is working or you, you know, turned off the Wi-Fi for the kids so they're not, it's not going to yes. cause internet issues. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but if you don't, if you don't figure out what those things are and do them consistently, you're going to, you're going to struggle. And then some of those things are like, it's make about making a better and easier experience. Cause I definitely, if you make a video, I'm looking to see what, uh, what tools you have in your toolbar or what bookmarks you have, because I do want to know about the barbecue. I do want to know about what's that plugin. What does that do? Right. Is it something I yep. could use? Would it make my life better and easier? And so I think those are really good. And, you know, I, I know, I'm pretty sure in the TechSmith Academy, we have a checklist that is similar to this. Um, mm -hmm. And a couple of the things you mentioned, we actually have, uh, we've done some YouTube live about, like we did the, obviously the screen recording one about the process, but we did... Um, Gosh, which file one? organization? File organization. Andy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, on that one, Andy was so fantastic, but we had so many technical problems that it might not be. It might be a hard watch. Uh, it's a good listen, uh, better than it was a watch. But yeah, definitely go through those things. And uh, so these are all really great tips. And you're right. It's, it's and if you get good at it, you know where all these things are. I would say you can get it down to ten minutes. 
Oh, easily. I actually just looked at numbers. Over the past year, I did 94 webinars on behalf of TechSmith. I have a checklist that I go through every single time. We made it in the first couple weeks. We've made some changes, but I pull that out before I go live, change the background, change the scaling, check my microphone. I've done it a thousand, well, not a thousand times, at least a hundred times. <laughs> Checklists do not hurt. Practicing does not hurt, but it makes for a very smooth, very beautiful experience. Yeah, for sure. Is this mm -hmm. idea of perfection, Jason? So we've talked a lot about it. Uh, you know, the idea you don't have to be perfect, things you can do to avoid that perfection mindset. Um, I, I worry to be honest, that a lot of us, it's easy to say these things. Mm -hmm. We are, you and I, probably like a lot of other people are guilty that we, we, oh yeah, you don't have to be perfect, but then we worry about it. We obsess over our edits. We, we spend time doing this. So any final tips for those educators out there who are looking at going back this fall, or maybe they're in, in the middle of their summer trimester, semester, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. They're got to they got to start making videos, or they're going to do online classes. Any last advice or tips for them to really help them say to to know it's okay to not fully be perfect? I would suggest first and foremost that they're especially if they're brand new to making video or they're just getting back into it, make a quick video about something you just absolutely know. I don't care if it's about education. Teach me how to log into my Gmail account. Teach me how to make chocolate chip cookies. Teach me how to make a new folder on my desktop, something that you have confidence in that you can practice and decide what was the goal of that video? Did the video meet that goal? Did it look okay? And okay is relative to you but be confident in the fact that you are a professional. You know what you're doing. This is just another way of delivering that, right? Um, you as a, if we're talking about errors and lack, not being perfect and not needing perfection, uh, as a classroom teacher, I never, ever, ever walked in the classroom and said, good morning, ladies and God, uh, you know what guys, forget I even said that and walked back out of the classroom and came back in and started over. It never happened, right? There is a human element to your teaching. Thank goodness there's a human element because that's who the students are gonna connect with. When there's a level of trust and, and a relationship that's built, what you say is so valuably important to them that the videos will do their job. And if they're not doing their job, you'll know. You'll know because the performance of your students won't be that great. Or someone will be brave enough to say, you know what, I had a hard time hearing you in your video, which will make you think, well, maybe I can adjust a level or move my microphone or something like that. But the bottom line is make the video and put it out. You can grow your skill set that you feel necessary over time. Um, there's a coworker at TechSmith, Matt, um, Mike. Uh, the first week I started at TechSmith, I watched a couple of his videos and I said, someday I hope to make a video half as good as he does. I will very, very um, confidently say I surpassed his videos a long time ago and I will still go to him for inspiration because the way he delivers it, I don't have it yet. Technically, all day long. But the personality and the way that he carries the information through, I'll watch his videos on something I know nothing about and don't need to know anything about because I feel like he's telling it to me from a point of wanting me to learn 
And that's where I'm consuming or want teachers to create content for their students to consume. They need to learn. They want to learn. They enjoy the process. Yeah, I, I love that the the human part of it, right? Like, and I'm I'm thinking here, you know, like, look, there's gonna be times when I I don't want to hear your mistakes, I don't want to hear thumbs and ahs. I just want give me the information, let me get in, get out. But I think the yep. human nature of it is that uh, far too often we we try to sanitize things so it's it's so perfect that it doesn't mm-hmm. connect. And I think. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a dad. I've got four kids, ranging from eight to to almost twenty. So I, a big span there, um, and I see them connecting with people that are real, like mm-hmm. even on, even on YouTube. Who people who do editing, they don't necessarily connect as same with something that's so polished. You know, like you watch like late show talk host, right? talk show host, they're very polished. And yeah, it's funny, but it's not the same as watching, uh, you know, some of these YouTubers who are, they just connect with and they feel this connection with who are making mistakes or saying things and like, you know, cause I think kids particularly, and I say kids broadly here, I think kids goes up for sure. a little ways. I, myself included, I'm a that, kid. myself yeah. included that, that they want to see the, the humanity of their teachers. They want to see that they're real people. Because otherwise it feels it feels contrived, right? Like if your teacher was always perfect in kind of these weird situations, it might feel kind of weird. And I think we could, if, if we were looking for examples here, uh, I remember when Khan Academy launched, you know, if, mm-hmm. for those that don't know Khan Academy, go search for Khan Academy. And it, it started off, it was basically whiteboard videos. It was technically this black screen with these highlighted kind of like a neon colors that he was using to write, but that's all mm-hmm. it was. And it wasn't perfect. You know, he, mm-hmm. he made a mistake, he'd scratch it out and do, start again. Uh, and I think there's something really powerful about allowing your students, whatever age they're at, to see that that piece of you, right? That you like, and I think about certain, there's probably certain subjects this is even more applicable to. I, I'm not a good math person. I've never been a good math person. I struggled in college. I struggled in high school. But I, I see like, seeing my teacher made a mistake and, or that something was kind of tricky always made me feel so much better because I was like, oh my gosh, okay, they struggled with this. Maybe it's okay that I'm not quite getting it. and and uh, But it gives me a hope mm-hmm. that I can work towards it so that I can get it. So, Well, there's videos on our YouTube channel by a great friend of mine on our team. I'll, I'll call him out because I love him. Death Troy uh, makes amazing, in my opinion, videos. He leaves his errors in and throws up little call-outs that says, well, geez, what I meant to say was, and rolls with it. That's the power of being an editor and the power of being the controller of your content. You decide what you show. Leave the errors in that are not like destructive errors because they show that you are not a faceless robot. You are a human being doing your best, helping others to hopefully do their best. For sure. Well, Jason, I, I thank you for so much great information. Absolutely. My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. And I know you're going to be sharing out a lot of resources. You know, if you get a chance to check out our uh, education resources on our webpage that it's constantly being updated, we're listening to educators across the world and we're creating content that we hope is helpful. But if we're missing the mark or there's something that's not there, there's actually a submit an idea button right on the webpage. Send a note in. We're going to probably make that content. What is that web page? Sure. It is techsmith.com slash resources dash education. So techsmith.com slash resources dash education. Okay. My 
the team I'm on, the customer education team, we're constantly building that page out. There's a good dozen videos up there right now, and I'm actually putting another one up here in a day or so. Awesome. So yeah, go check those out. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure that gets in the show notes as well for anybody so that they can get this later. And of course, I got to do it, Jason. I've got to do it. A plug for All the right. TechSmith Academy. Right. So please do. If you're struggling with some of those other pieces that you're not sure what to do, you know, the, the education stuff is fantastic. But once you've gone through that, if you still need more, go check out the TechSmith Academy. We're going to teach you how to write scripts, do storyboards, to light your video, to get better audio in the environment that you're in. It's not Camtasia or product specific, but it's going to give you those foundational pieces. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a new course. It's all about screen recording. It's going to walk you. It's Get this, it's hmm. Jason, it's 30 videos long. About they're all oh, wow. like they're all like two minute videos. So don't freak out. It's not it's about a half an hour's worth of content. But it walks you from Excellent. start to finish through everything you need to think about when creating a video. It's again, it's not teaching you how to use Camtasia or any video tool. It's teaching you the principles of how to go and structure your video creation process, it gives you a workflow to to follow through, which hopefully helps everybody. So go check out the Academy, it's free. Why not? Uh, great place to learn. So with that, Jason, I think we're going to wrap it up. But again, thank you so much for joining us today. And as we like to say around here, uh, you know, do your best to do yourself, make yourself better, do what you can and level up every single day. And we will see you guys next time. <laughs>